shit. Hold on, let's just start breaking this. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. All right. Wow. We're here all by ourselves, Mark. Oh, man. It's like the kids are gone. Uh, no, like the parents are gone. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is Karen Dumas and the great Mark Fellhauer. We are holding it down for Charlie LaDuff today, who is with his family. Uh, we certainly extend our support, our condolences, our prayers, and uh, he will update you when he returns with us next week. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. We're going to talk to congressional candidate John James II. Uh, that is going to be interesting. Uh, John's a good guy, and we want to know who he is and what he is doing. And we got a ton of other things uh, that we got to tackle. It's a lot going on, Mark. Too much. I'm overwhelmed already. All right. Well, let's get right to it. We <laughs> want to respect John's uh, time frame. So, John, are you with us? I am. and glad to be here. How's everybody doing? Hey, we're doing great. John, meet How's Mark. Going? Mark, meet John. Hi, John. How are you? Mark, I'm doing great. Doing <laughs> lot, great. A lot of questions for you. I hope you're ready. Fire away. <laughs> hey, he's all fire away. That's the military in him. But, yeah. John, I, I really want to, first of all, thank you for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule. Um, because a lot of people, they see you, they hear you, they hear about you. But let me ask you, first and foremost, who is John James? Well, <laughs> uh, I'm a child of God. Uh, I am, uh, I'm a man who's been saved by grace, uh, who is Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After that, um, I try to uh, to work past though I'm a sinner to do everything I can to bring glory to Him and love my neighbor as, my, as myself. Uh, I try to be the best father I can be, the best husband I can be, the best son I can be. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a combat veteran. I'm a businessman uh, in the city of Detroit. I uh, I'm proud to say that I was raised by a pair of Democrats from the Jim Crow South <laughs> who raised me uh, with the values of faith and family, God and country, and service before self. And you got to walk the walk. Uh, I, I also believe very, very strongly uh, that we need to use our blessings to be blessings to others. So uh, I'm excited for the opportunity the future holds, and uh, I'm excited to bring as many people along with me as possible. John, you seem like a very nice guy based on the ads and everything. Is, is there the one thing I've heard people say is that what, what's behind the veneer? What What is behind John James? There's got to be, you know, that, that answer is a political answer. So what, what is behind him? What's, what's the meat behind John James? Well, you know what? Uh, this is probably the root of one of my wife's greatest disappointments is what you see is what you get. Um, <laughs> Don't say that I'll to a potential you. voter, John. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you see is what you get. I mean, I'm I'm pretty straightforward guy. I uh, uh, I don't have any skeletons in the closet. Maybe some clothes on the floor, but uh, there's nothing to hide. Um, I, I ultimately, uh, again, I, I'm unapologetic about my faith and about uh, my sinful nature. And I'm unapologetic about why I'm here. Uh, is to do everything I can to serve. Service before self isn't just a buzzword. It's not just a term. It's how I've lived my life. It's why I went in the military in the first place. It's why I served. And it's why I'm so frustrated with the way that things are. Uh, it's why I'm frustrated there are still parts of Detroit that look no better than they did when I grew up and my father was dropping me off at Burton International in the Cass Corridor, uh, Cass and Peterborough. That's why I'm so frustrated that uh, what Charlie says, uh, and, and again, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention his family, my condolences to him and prayers to his family, but he says that fix this stuff in so many words. And, and I'm just frustrated by both parties that are putting re-election above the people, driving us apart, and Democrats and Republicans both have failed. Uh, and, and when it comes to uh, bringing relief and bringing solutions, uh, people talk about bipartisanship as a buzzword. In, in my military career, my business career, it's always been about nonpartisan solutions and working with anybody and everybody to fix this stuff. And uh, I'm channeling my frustration 
I'm channeling my uh, uh, my my utter fatigue with, uh, with with the political toxicity into doing what's best to serve my country, serve my state, and serve my community. There it is. There's the fire. I mean that that that's what I was that's talking it. about. Where, and, and where's that, the fire? And, and that's what seems to be missing. Like, are you are you are you struggling between trying <clears throat> to make sure people understand that you are a nice guy? And really showing, you know, a level of uh, fire and anger and disappointment with whatever and whomever uh, in your in your public presentation. Honestly, guys, uh, all I can do is be me. Uh, there, there are some people who call me nice, uh, but there are people who lie, cheat, and steal in my life who separated from uh, my personal, my professional life who wouldn't call me nice. There are people who uh, were in Iraq who were attempting to take the lives of innocents who wouldn't call me nice. Um, I've been in a fight, and I recognize that, that fighting shouldn't be your knee-jerk reaction. And folks talking about fighting most often haven't been punched in the face. There's a time and a place, and most often um, having the leadership qualities to bring stability, to bring unity, and to bring results rarely require aggression. Most oftentimes it requires compassion, empathy, and understanding, but recognizing you have to have the strength of your convictions behind you in order to get things done and have people follow you. You have to have somebody who's willing to represent and able to represent, have the firsthand experience to know what to do when they get there. So uh, whether you're nice or whether you're mean, uh, apply it as required and, uh, and recognize that the ultimate goal is to bring glory to God and serve his people. Do you think that description uh, defines the president of the United States, Donald Trump? Well, uh, the uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder there. Um, but I, I will tell you that uh, the focus here is uh, everybody wants to talk about Trump. And uh, what I try and tell people is, look, um, the problems that ail us, the socioeconomic immobility, the financial anxiety, uh, these are things that, um, that preceded Trump and will succeed him unless we get our acts together, unless we prioritize the needs of our community and our people. Look, Trump's either got four more months or four more years. Either way, we can't continue to lurch from crisis to crisis. That's no way to live. And fixating on a temporary term-limited president is not how we get our people, all of our people, to a better and a higher plane. That's what I'm You sound like you want to win, John. No, I just want to serve. (laughs) Look, uh, I I just want to help people. Because, look, Karen, I mean, the the most selfish thing for me to do would be to stay in Detroit and watch my business and my family grow. The most selfish thing for me to do would, would, would be to do nothing. But, but it breaks my heart, and, and, and so I, I'm, I'm running with a broken heart, and I just want to help you. All right, let me ask you this, too, uh, John, because your family has a very well-recognized and respected history uh, and, and name here in the community and especially in the business and the African, African-American community. Um, outside of Wayne Bradley II, there are some black Republicans. Uh, what, what, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. Wait, 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 wait. All three of them? <laughs> yeah, all three of them. But, but what has been, has it been a challenge um, to resonate or connect with the African-American community? Uh, you know, like I said, and, and, and I've shared this with you, I, I think a lot of people would recognize and appreciate just the historical um, relevance and value that you bring what has there has, has 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 this been a challenge? And I say that because I don't see any black people in your commercials, um, and I'm just trying to figure out is that is that an issue or is that not an audience that you're targeting? Well, I'll tell you. Thank you for that question. First of all, uh, if you know any black people who would be willing to be in my commercials, please get with me after the break, and I'd love to bring them <laughs> in because here's the reality of the fact is uh, is is there's 
Uh, most black folks are scared to be associated with somebody stepping outside of the status quo. Uh, it's very uncomfortable to be a black Republican, especially in the age of Trump. But I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a Republican because the Republican Party is perfect. Far from it. I'm a Republican because the platform aligns most closely with my economic and moral values. And the best way to fix things are not from outside screaming against the wall and banging against the door, but it's to get by getting inside and making sure that every voice is represented, that everybody uh, uh, is represented. Nobody is marginalized or, or stereotyped or silenced. See, here's the thing. This, I come from, uh, and you heard that, Karen, you mentioned my roots. My father was born, again, in the Jim Crow South, born in 1941. He lived directly across the street from Mississippi State University and couldn't go there because he was black. And even though he was in a vulnerable, vulnerable situation in the Deep South, he refused to be a victim in his own country. Uh, he, he was taught that the United States of America was his birthright, too. And uh, as one of nine children, he worked his way out um, through the, uh, the Black Vocational College in Mississippi. He uh, uh, fought honorably in Vietnam and came back, got a job at Chrysler, and started a business hauling beer back and forth between Detroit and Milwaukee. And he raised a son in Detroit in Seven and Livernois. I started at Burton International in the Cass Corridor, put me in Jack and Jill, attended Harper Memorial Baptist Church led by Charles G. Adams. I served my country, and as soon as I got back, I joined Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I joined James Group and kept this business in Detroit, employing Detroiters when it would have been easier to leave, to quit during the Great Recession. I'm on the board of Jalen Rose Leadership Academy in Detroit and on Mayor Duggan's Workforce Development Board. And Michigan Chronicle recognized me in 40 Under 40 just a couple years ago. But I've also had my car gripped up in Charles H. Wright Museum. I've had my car keyed outside of a black church in Detroit. I've been mocked in the church that I grew up in. I've had town halls with members of the Divine Nine in Metro Detroit and had that leaked. I've had town halls with Michigan Minority Supply Development Council because I recognize that entrepreneurship is the way that we create generational wealth and we take our people to a higher plane. Every time I talk to my people, Karen, I don't bring a camera. Unlike Senator Peters, who is the 14th Congressional District Congressman, and most folks can't put a finger on a thing he's done except run as a Democrat. So here's the thing. I'm not just running against Gary Peters. I'm running against an image of what somebody thinks I should be. And if I don't fit that image, then I'm an enemy. And so I, I, I reject that out of hand. And I recognize that, that Jesus was crucified by we, who he came to save. Who the heck am I? If I call myself a Christian, though I am a sinner, and I have to try to follow the model that he created, to try to meet people where they are, to do my very best to help them with the blessings that I've received, which is why I made a commitment, a promise, a nickel promise, when I see all the money that's in politics. And yes, we have to raise money to get the truth out, because it was just reported in the Detroit Free Press last week that folks have been lying about me on health care for over a year. We had to raise money to get the truth out, but we also can do good while we're doing well here. We can also take a nickel for every dollar that we raise and use it to help heal the sick, to help feed the hungry, to help clothe the naked, to help take care of our veterans. And over right now, as of right now, because of the grace of God and the generosity of people all over Michigan and all over the country, we've raised over a million dollars to do exactly that. Name me a political campaign that's doing that. We were able to give $200,000 to Central City Integrated Health right in Detroit, $200,000 to get extra testing and PPE into the city of Detroit when this pandemic was hurting our community, our community, more than most other countries. 
And we were able to get help right to Detroit. And so that's what I'm talking about. Charlie talks about fixing this stuff. Well, I'm talking about fixing this stuff. I'm talking about delivering on my promises. I'm talking about doing things that are inconvenient to help people who have no hope, who have no future, and who need a leader to execute right now. And right now we're not getting it. Fair or unfair, um, when your name is brought up, it, it will be black Republican. It just That's just the matter, just, just the way things work right now. Um, to that point... Is that, is, that, no, is that okay with you? Oh, it's, and now, it's we, what do, you do are. Describe, I mean, no, do we decide, do we describe Gary Pierce as white Democrat? No, and if not I at all. Done, if that's, I, exactly. That's so, why, that's why so I said... See, why, why, see, what I'm saying is, why do we tolerate that? As black people, as people, why do we tolerate that? Why do we, why do we let the conversation keep going when you minimize an entire legacy and an entire story and minimize it, dehumanize somebody by reducing them to their party and their skin color? Why do we put up with it? Well, and I, and I do, and I do think that just it's it's a however, as Mark started said, fair or unfair. It is a categorization that people tend to do, and like I said earlier on, people tend to associate black people with the Democratic Party. So when they do refer to uh, a Republican who is also black, that becomes the categorization. I don't think it diminishes who you are or what you bring to the table at all. And actually, I loved the video you made, the response to, you know, one of, one of Biden's biggest gaffes when he was on The Breakfast Club <laughs> saying that if you're not black, which, it's, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with an old white guy telling somebody who's black. Every, every, everybody has, you know, I mean, everybody's screwed up. If we literally went through what everybody said, I found an interview of Joe Biden from back like in 93 when he was calling black people savages. Yeah. People don't do their homework. So, I mean, we could all find something wow. on somebody. That are, you would, write, are you writing that down, John? Or are you going to go look for that? Yeah. No, see, see, you don't have enough attack ads. I'm not giving you any Man, of that. Look, I'm saying look. that everybody has done or said something that someone else can pull up and use either for or against yes. them. Yeah. Everybody. So what were you going to say, John? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that uh, he was, uh, he's without saying cast the first stone. Um, that, that's, I mean, everybody's made a gap. Everybody's made a mistake. But that's why I spoke on that moment, Mark, that you mentioned. Uh, I spoke, I made a comment about how that comment has hurt me. I, I've talked about how that was disrespectful to, to people in the community. So many people have died for, for black folks to have the ability to think and vote for ourselves and to say the silent part out loud that, um, that the reason he's even on that podium, he felt like he was owed. Uh, I, I, I feel like, uh, and, and I mean, maybe I just—I feel like in the in the Democratic Party, the only ones progressing seem to be folks who look like Joe Biden. And well, I feel the, and, like and, we're and, not. And, and, and let's not get off track a little bit because I still—I want—I know you only have a limited amount of time, John. And I want to—I again, you know, I mean, I'm watching some of the Facebook comments. Um, you know, people are glad to hear uh, some of the conversation. Some lady said that she had this same conversation with you last week. But for those who don't have the privilege of a one-on-one -on -one conversation or even in a group, I want them to be able to come away with something one way or the other because we hear a lot of people say they just don't know who you are. Um, if, in fact, uh, well, Mark, you wanted to ask about the, the two races. Do you want to get that before, John? Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what is the difference between running against uh, Debbie Stabenow like you did two years ago and now Gary Peters, or is that all the same in your mind? Um, well, I, I think the uh, the time now is um, uh, 
people are taking Michigan a lot more seriously now. People are taking me a lot more seriously now. I, I think that uh, before um, uh, it, it was assumed that Senator Stabenow was going to win, and uh, I think that right now, because uh, this is really shaping up, the status quo doesn't work for, for us anymore, and I think this year is going to be a challenger's race. I, I'm, I've outraised Senator Peters four quarters in a row. What, what, the last quarter, yeah, and, and the, the what, last time, um, we didn't have those types of resources. So I, I just want to ask you this because that, that, that's it. There's a lot of political speak in here, which which can be a little exhausting. Um, what what can a first term senator do for the state of Michigan? Um, like, what could you legitimately, tangibly do for the state when you get in there? Oh my gosh! Thank you for asking that question. On day one, on day one, I bring something that my opponent cannot bring. And what is that? I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that we will have a friend on both sides of the aisle. I can guarantee you. But, John, let me, let, me, let me stop you for one second. Everybody yeah. says that. I mean, in okay. terms of working bipartisan. But this, is, this, is, this becomes a challenge for everybody. And I'm okay. sure this is nothing for you. The process, when everybody goes in on the pretense that they're going to make a difference for the people that put them there. I get that. I respect that. But there's a there's a there's a process that's set up that almost makes it difficult, if not impossible. It's the game. It's, it's not it's, the player. It, it, exactly. And it's the process, not progress. What can you do? I guess maybe that's even a more realistic question to Correct. circumvent what I know is institutional opposition for really getting any, because, you know, we, we were talking about um, John Lewis's f- uh, service and all the information that ca- came out about him and how he recently said he's been fighting this fight for 50 years. We're still having the same conversation for generations. What has really changed? So if for you to implement an institutional change, what realistically can you do? So here's the thing. Here's the truth. I'm not going to be able to do it all. But the reason why I mentioned Senator Stabenow is because she may be able to open doors that I can't. And I may be able to open doors that she can't. Michigan being in a position to open those doors that are currently being shut in the Senate because we don't have somebody on the inside is how you get things done in the real world. Having a Democrat and a Republican senator, having a male, a female, millennial, a boomer, a a black and a white, that is how you make sure that no matter uh, what corner you're in, you have a voice. So you will work you with a- Debbie Stabenow? I'll work, of course. Are you kidding me? I'll have a meeting with Debbie Stabenow every week because I will assume that that woman loves this state as much as I do. And we may have different methods, but if we can agree on just one thing and get that done, see, that's, that's how you get things done. Right now, we don't, have, we don't have anybody on the inside. People like to talk about bipartisanship. That, that, that's a buzzword that you correctly identified doesn't work in the real world. Unless you have somebody working for you on the inside, it doesn't get through. And so if there's something that's good for Michigan or good for our Detroit community and Debbie Stabenow can get it done, I'll put her name on it and let her take it to Chuck Schumer. I don't care. If there's something that's good for Michigan and Republicans are in charge, I'll put my name on it and put it through. I'll give her the credit. I don't care. I'm not planning on being a career politician. I'm planning on doing my time coming back and watching my kids play soccer. So uh, I want to serve as long as the people of the state of Michigan and the good Lord let me. And that, that answer is actually how you fix this stuff.
making sure. Oh, that go you ahead have and curse, John. I want to hear you say <laughs> the yeah, word. Say, say the word. No, 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 no. Uh. Hey, we need we need to keep this rated PG, or my mama give me a spank. Hey, it's not you. You're hey, late for that. It. <laughs> it's not PG, John. Go ahead, Mark. You I want just to I ask? wanted to add because your faith is incredibly important to you. Do you see? Um, what, what is your opinion on President Trump and his faith? Do you see him as being a uh, faithful, a godly man? All right, so um, I am never in a position to comment on someone's relationship with the Lord. That's between them and God. Uh, I can tell you about my faith, and I can tell you that I'm an imperfect sinner, and I'm doing my best to ask for the Lord's forgiveness each and every single day and to do my best uh, to, uh, to make Him proud. So, well, so that's all I'm going to comment on. That. All right. Well, John, we know that you're on a time limit today. So before you go, uh, if there's one thing that people that are watching or will listen to this podcast and your interview, what's the one thing you want them to take away when they say, oh, I heard John James and now I know that he what? Fill in the blank. That he cares more about obedience than convenience and that he cares uh, about putting service before self. I'm looking forward to bringing glory to God and to uh, and to fixing this stuff, uh, not just for our kids now, um, and uh, but for future generations. Well, Thank John, you. I appreciate you taking time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll have to have you come back again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All Thanks, right, John. take care. Guys. Take care. You too. Bye bye. So after quite a while, because Charlie and I have been trying to get John on the show, uh, let me also say that we do recognize equal time and fairness. We did extend the invitation to Gary Peters, uh, heard back from one of his staff members, and um, the other one is checking into his schedule. Uh, so if we hear back from him, we'll certainly have him on the show and talk to him as well. But Charlie has uh, been trying to get John, as have I, on the show to talk some time. So we certainly appreciate him and his team making it possible. Uh, not sure if... Uh, Mark, if you came away with anything different, you know. It- yeah, no, I, I did. I it was nice to hear him fired up. I, I think I told you before the show. I wish he'd had more negative attack ads because they work. But he doesn't want to say the shit. I, I you know. Not want to do that. But you did hear a fire in him that you don't necessarily see. Now let me say this. I, I, my fear is that it's just another politician. Who's not, though? No, I know Gary Peters is, Stabana is. I, mean, I couldn't and, tell you anything about them either. And, and a couple people have said, like, what have they done? Uh, and, 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 and And I do believe that people go in with the same level of sincerity, interest, commitment, and compassion that you hear from John and anybody entering the political oh, arena. I think they're sincere, but this, but is, where my apath- there, this is where my apathy sets but in. But you like- get there, and you find that, to me, change is almost impossible. We've been having the same conversations for generations, but because we've had same conversations, there are some things that don't change. I think we probably need to get some of our ads out of the way. I was going to say, uh, American wanted... Coney Island hasn't changed. No, How's they have How's that haven't... for a segue? Eh, I guess that was good. I was thinking <laughs> Hall Financial, but, you know, we're not as smooth as Charlie. But, hey, you know, we're talking politics. We're talking America. We're talking Detroit. And when you say American Coney Island, you say Detroit. I don't think anything says more Detroit than that. American Coney Island is Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and the birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog with chili mustard and Vidalia onions. Downtown at the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue, you can't miss it. It's the red, white, and blue building shaped like a slice of pie. And hey, they've got that too. They make it fresh daily. The Coney Kit just sent a couple people some. Thank you, Grace. Um, a dozen dogs with all the fixings right to your door for the game time or your party. Go to American that has to be socially distanced. Don't forget that. <laughs> Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Always delicious, always clean, and I'm going to stick my own little two cents in here. I love Grace. 
Yeah. Grace is the just the consummate business person and friend. So when you have a good person that does good business, to me, that's reason enough to always patronize them. So love you, Grace, and thank you for being here. She's been a good are. partner to this yeah. uh, show as well. Yeah, the only thing that uh, is changing with Hall Financial is that mortgage rates are at an all-time low. Yeah, and they're continuing to fall. <laughs> that's why I know. They fell today. That's why, exactly. And I, I can't believe there's still people out there that have not refinanced because you can lower those monthly payments, get money in your pocket. Uh, good value, so check them out. They can do uh, virtual appraisals, too, so they can socially distance. No one will step foot in your house, so you can make money by saving money, and you can live how you want. Do it by going to davidhallmortgage.com on Hall Financial. You can call them 248-308-5000. Uh, super easy to work with. And uh, NMLS number 1467435. Let them know that, uh, that Charlie said, there's a call coming in. I don't know who that is says private. I know. I'm not going to answer that. I don't know. That sounds scary. But I'm hey, worried that Charlie's going to call in and tell me to turn off the TV. Cause I, Shh. Don't tell Charlie. You know, he hates when we have I know. For the first time, I didn't hey, get yelled at for having here, CNN. Or we're here uh, by ourselves so CNBC. we can watch television. I know. <laughs> but yeah, don't CNBC. tell Charlie. But hey, since you're talking money, why don't you go and do Luke? Oh, you do uh, Luke? Let's get, right. Because, I mean, you know, again, we've been talking even before the COVID, even before the recession. We have been telling people to get their money in order. If you don't know how... Here's how. Uh, Yeah, call our buddy, Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. You know what he gives you? Rational financial financial advice. None of this CNBC stuff that's on the TV here. (laughs) Stocks or bonds, what do you do with your 401k? Do you have a college saving plan for your kid? All that. Get a strategy. Get advice. Now is the time to do it. Call Luke, Pinnacle Wealth. 248-663-4748, 248-663-4748, Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Royal Alliance Associated Incorporated, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, and services rendered here independent of Royal Alliance Associates. Oh, wait. Don't you have a disclaimer? I just read it. Oh, you just read it. I wanted to hear some music, but hey, Hello? Pa- Patty P, I didn't mean it like that when I said go do Luke. Uh, we had somebody comment and said, what do you mean sending Mark to do Luke? We didn't mean it like that. We meant go and do the Luke commercial. So um, I don't know. Who are you talking to, Mark? You know, this is live. <laughs> I, you know, phones ring. It's crazy. It was oh. Charlie. I told oh, was him, it? I told him, told him to call back. I want to know if we're in. I wonder if you had an assessment. You told him to call back. How do you tell him to call back? But anyway, he will. But you know what? I do want to say this. There's been a lot going on. Um, we're going to talk about some of those things. As Charlie always reminds us, this is not for chit-chat. This is for news. Uh, certainly laid to rest the great Congressman John Lewis. Uh, and as I was sharing with Mark, as much as I thought I knew about who he was and what he did, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, so, you know, I don't see that passion, that commitment uh, in public service anymore that people now call elected office. Charlie, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm drinking. Are we in trouble? Drinking? Are we in trouble? No, we're not in trouble. I'm just calling to say, hey, I said, in, see are, how it's are, going. Are we in trouble? Have you been listening? No, I uh, we just got done burying my brother. Okay. Well, our condolences, well, condolences Charlie. Yeah, and John James sends his condolences as well, as uh, do a lot of people that are, re- that are commenting on Facebook Live. So we're there with you. Just remember something, and I'll get off here because we're going to get. We got the bagpipers here, and the lawyer, and uh, uh, the eulogy giver. Uh, hold on, boys. I'm on, I'm on with the show here. Just remember something. This is what became apparent to me today. Love one another. The meaning of your life is those that you touch, and if they speak of you when you're gone, you've never gone away. 
Remember that. Don't be alone. If you feel lonely, call somebody. So I just wanted to say, I love you both. Everybody listening, stay together. Right? What, what was it about? What did the priest say about despair? Love, love means you have to work. Despair means you quit. Hmm. Don't despair. Love means you have to work. Despair means you've quit. Yeah, don't don't despair. Okay. Keep working. Keep working, right? Good words. We will, Charlie. Okay, listen, I love you. How's it going? You, you enjoying it, Karen? <sighs> sure, Mark and I are having fun. We've got, we've got the television on, too. <laughs> All right, love you, too, Charlie. All right. Take care. All right. Give our best to everybody. Yes, right. sir. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow. Char- you know what? I, and I have to say this, and I say this all the time. I say it to Charlie because I think it's important, just as he said, you know, love one another. But I think it's very important for people to know how you feel about them. I am not a funeral person. I'm not one for posting on Facebook about how I felt about somebody yeah. and posting a picture. You have to tell people, Charlie is a good person. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a good heart. He and I don't always agree. But I respect Charlie and what he brings to the table, not only professionally, but personally. Over the years, he uh, and his family have become good friends. Uh, and I, I just I like who he is and I like what he does. I like the sincerity of uh, the commitment that he has behind the show and everything that he does. And uh, I'm not going to steal his thunder, but he had another wonderful column on um, Deadline Detroit today. And I was talking, oh, wait, I think he's back. Uh-oh. He can't stay away. He's back. Hang on. <laughs> Charlie said he's going to leave us alone, but he's not. Okay, can can I request a song? Yes, sure. What's the song? Tribe Called Quest. I left my wallet in El El Segundo. Segundo. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Totally random. Hey, this is not a radio station to call. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, okay, if you say it is. But hey, we we have no prizes. We can can leave you a case of beer, though. I see some beer sitting down. Give him a freaking shirt. Fix the shit. Yeah, well, we're going to do that, too, Charlie. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, you know what I learned? I realized. What? If it's too much for your kids to wear, you can take a, a ink, a sharpie, some black tape, and if you stretch it across, you can actually make fix the shit. Just say fix it. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Think think about that. Fix it. It's I like deep. that too. Okay. Hey, I still gotta get my shirt. Man, guess what? These bagpipers. Yes. At the, at, the, at the funeral. Are strapping. <laughs> really? What, Doc, what's the weapon you got there? What's your weapon? Is that a forty kill? Yeah, it's a. So, so they've got a bagpipe on one hip. What I got? They've got a bagpipe on one hip and a weapon on the other. He got he got some drum. He not wearing. Are you wearing underpants? <laughs> he better not be, right? Let me see. Let me see. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it in. Charlie, <laughs> are you looking oh, under his kilt? Holy! You know what? He's so old. How old is and he's he? He's not wearing underpants. He's so old That's that gross. he's got. I don't he got his, he's got his testicles Charlie. Up like a man bun with a fucking rubber bag. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> You're welcome, Doc. Hey, I thought I thought my mom would be into him. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. No, your mom has good taste. <laughs> hey Doc, hey Doc, well, Doc's a good friend. Hey Doc, what'd you think of my mom? What you think of my mom? Fantastic. Would you date her? What a great lady. Would you date her? 
you know, maybe take her out to dinner. <laughs> fuck you, you fucking pervert. <laughs> there's no yeah, wait, wait, wait. Mom. There's no good yeah, answer really? to there's no good answer to a son saying, "What did you this, think of my mom?" Especially my after you talked about what, his testicles. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a virgin. She went to church, asked God, made me a virgin. You know, you know this, what? This show has taken a turn. I know, as, as we knew it would be. <laughs> All right, see you later. All right, brother. All right, Bye. see you. Okay, let's do the countdown to the next call. But in the meantime, you were talking about the Deadline Detroit piece that Charlie did on the serial yeah, house. Yeah, um, he was down there. It's Mac and Mount Elliott. You told me yeah, you drive by I drive there. by it all the time, and I see people sleeping on the porch i mean the house has not been torn down as promised some time ago so it was a lot quicker than i thought is that charlie again yes okay you're gonna play the song though right charlie no yes. I, I, i'm gonna tell you i'm playing it yeah you'll have to download it later yeah, you've got to listen oh you know uh, listen uh go to the drew and mike uh, store.com yes get your t-shirt fix the shit it goes to kids you need our help I'll leave it at that. I, I promise I won't call again. It's your show, Charlie. You can call us many yeah. times it's as you want. It's our show, Karen. Uh, all right. Hey, way to go, by the way. What a get. That's John James' first interview. Yeah, we got first. it. First. And he sent me a text message and said it was fun. He, and he appreciated it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, you know, people always think that we're trying to attack. or We're not going to attack somebody. We're not going to support somebody. We're going to have a conversation so people can see who you are and what you bring to the table. Yeah, we're going to ask the questions. Yep, that's it. And we, Mark did a great job. We we held. I think we, I hope we held it down for you. Hey, one thing. One thing before you go, Charlie. Uh, get that bagpiper some manscaping too. Okay, for next. Oh, next hey, hey, listen, hold on, hey, Doc. I have for you now, Charlie. A manscaping kit. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? What? Uh, I got a manscaping kit for you. Do I need a manscaping kit? You, dude, you need fucking surgery. <laughs> <laughs> you need some of the elephant skin taken away. That is disgusting, Charlie. <laughs> Carrying your Mary, get used to it. I don't it. care. I'm trying to class this joint up, you know? Said, Come on. He said, he said a guy's got a two-handed. Why, why would you want to shave that? I'm like, because they're your balls. Charlie. Hold <laughs> on I would like to remind people that he is at a service. He is at a service. <laughs> a uh, service. Hey, we're taking my brother out. I see. I, hey, I know. Man, fuck all y'all, man. We, that's do, what we do. That's what you that's should what do, do, Charlie. It's bagpipes and guns and liquor and women crying and the priest was brilliant and, you know, mystery. That's what we do. We love ours. And you Never should. Never to be forgotten. You should. <laughs> Are you awake, Mark? Yeah, no. I, I... Mark is into it. We're having a good time. Okay. Hey, hey Doc, you still listen before I let him go. You want to check out Manscaped.com? <laughs> we can scratch that off the list. Yeah, why not? I'm... Yeah, hey. All right. All right. It's used. That's been done. <laughs> it's used. Okay, talk to you guys. All right. All right. And Bye, if anybody Charlie. else wants to check out manscaped.com, you can get 20% off and free shipping right now. Use promo code Charlie at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, 
You do it at the end, uh, you can get all kinds of fun items. I'm sure, Karen, you've been to the site many times. So you're not going to stand up and shave your chest, are you? No, no. It's okay. In, well, it's before we shaving. get any I won't, more. I won't, I, shaving, I won't do that to you, though. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Charlie did that last week, and I still have nightmares. <laughs> Scars, um, yeah. Before we get distracted or interrupted again, and I certainly don't mean that in a negative way, Charlie has a right to celebrate, and we certainly appreciate him calling in because it's yeah. not the same without him. Uh, let me get in the information about ADR that we always share. Share, uh, every week, uh, not because we have to, but because ADR is experienced. They oversee more than $250 million in private and public construction projects since 2001. ADR is competent. They reduce your costs, increase your bottom line. They've saved clients millions of dollars. Their consultants are experts in procurement and government compliance and information technology. ADR is honest, ethical, and smart. You can call Barry Ellen Tuck at 248-318-9424 for a consultation. You can get the job done right, on time, on budget. ADR consultants, Barry Ellen Tuck, 248-318-9424. All right, so check out Deadline Detroit, uh, Charlie's latest article, as Mark was telling us about the serial killer house. Maybe Charlie will do a rant for us next week. If not yeah. on that, uh, it'll be on something else. want to certainly bring up the little confusing, Mark, the governor's closing restaurant and bars down but opening up casinos. Has she had an order in the time of COVID that wasn't confusing? I don't know. And, you know, I have to say this, though. I, I think that part of... The challenge has been a lack of a federal mandate for protocol and that it's been left to municipalities or states to determine because I see people walking around. People don't even know what to do. They wear, they, they wear gloves. They don't realize they're cross contaminating. They have their masks, but they're not covering their nose. Everybody's just kind of it's kind of you figure it out. So I think that that has also contributed to a little of the breakdown uh, in just some consistency. But how do you open up her one? Mes- her messaging has been yeah, it's, pretty confusing in my it, mind. It has been, and I'd also think it's it's almost disingenuous. I mean, but how do you close a restaurant and bar, but you open a casino? Yeah, uh, Detroit Casino. Well, we know why. We know why and how. I mean, that's a big revenue uh, generator for the city of Detroit. Uh, I imagine they have a very strong lobby, which you I, know politicians will always listen to a lobby. The weird thing in my mind is that um, the tribal casinos have had right. no restrictions. Exactly. And we we spoke to one, and they pretty much said, um, "Yeah, you need to wear masks, but we're full capacity, full capacity," wow. because they're not under the restrictions of the state because right. they are tribal land, right. which is a little, I'm sorry, it's a little silly. And that kind of goes to her point of pulling back, um, I forget what, nobody knows what the zones are, what they mean, but up north in the western UP, right. um, they've reduced capacity in bars, and people up there are very angry about it. But one of the reasons she did it is because, once again, you have this imaginary line that goes into Wisconsin, which has zero restrictions whatsoever because of the Supreme Court battle they had there. Right. And people from that state are going into those bars, and they're legitimately worried about it. Is it an overreach? I, I, I can listen to that argument. I mean, I'm not up there. I don't know. I don't know how bad it is up there. I, I, just, I don't think they're doing it for any kind of to exert any kind of strength or power. I think that's a little ludicrous. I think people but have also confused uh, patriotism and their freedom with responsibility. I mean, I, I do. And people say, oh, you know, you can't tell me what to do. But at the same time, when people uh, fall ill or, you know, we went through this with seatbelts. I mean, then where does the care fall? I, I, How does I, it I, impact? It has a domino effect. I so appreciate that argument. But there's, there's a uh, 
there's a fancy buzzword in economics. It's called externalities. Mm-hmm. That it's not always about the decision you make. That's true. Or the other person in a transaction. Transaction how it affects the people around them. So it isn't about your personal liberty. That's it's true. It's about the people around you, and you know it's it's a tough balance. Some this country just you cannot get everybody to do any to do the I same know. thing, and it's I just going to be that way. And you know, I, I tell you what, follow my rule. I'm not going anywhere. Well, I'm not going to a restaurant. I'm not going to a bar. I'm, I'm not either. Doing it. I am I'm not, not either. But doing you know it. what? I really want to. I do too. It's I not because I'm scared. Out. I'm not scared of it. Well, I don't why don't want you go? Because um, I have kids and I'm around elderly people. So you're thinking about the impact that your decision would have on others. Yeah, and I could, you know, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend any money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, at least you're honest. I want to talk, speaking of, uh, you know, we're talking politics. Uh, let, let's t- Herman Cain, dad, yeah. COVID-19, after hanging out at the Trump rallies. And uh, yeah, really, in you know, Tulsa. Certainly, yeah, certainly our condolences. Uh, but uh, let me just say this. COVID is real. I mean, there are people that are wrangling with this. It is not a joke. It is not, you know, it's not something that people, it's not a conspiracy. It is real, and people need to treat it as such. It's going to get to the point where um, two of the fastest moving things that I can think where change happened in my life. One is marijuana, and everybody accepting marijuana. That's right. just how fast that moved is mind-blowing. Oh, you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, what does that mean? Buckle your seatbelt. We'll talk next week, but go ahead. Oh! <laughs> well, I'm fascinated by that. <laughs> you can do the show high? Um, the you can. <laughs> I don't smoke or drink. The second thing is um, gay rights and how quick that moved. And I think it moved because people realized that, oh, I know somebody who is gay, you know. And when you know somebody, it kind of changes your opinion because it becomes real. But that's what and I think that's what's going to happen with COVID. You're going to eventually know somebody who's been hit. You just hit, hit the nail on the head for everything. People per- change their opinion and their perspectives when their proximity of is course. reduced. So totally you want to talk about race relations, you want to talk about economic sympathy, you want to talk about COVID, you want to talk about LGBTQ rights, all of those things. The mm-hmm. more familiar with them that you are, it does change because your perceptions are either validated or invalidated. Sure. So, but I've, you, I've known five people that have, with COVID? have gotten COVID. Wow. And after talking to them, it is not something I want to get. Yeah, I don't. I don't want, and, and I don't wish that on anybody. I've, I've no, you know, heard a couple people talk about. I just, but no. As uh, much as I love to dine out, not doing it. And to that point, there was, and it wasn't as bad as I've seen in the past with things. But some people, I guess, maybe gloating about the fact that Herman Cain died no, because you of, don't do that. Fucking bullshit. It's no, bullshit. I just I made that point, you know, no, because it's real. Exactly, and that was the only reason. I thought it was interesting. I've been reading up on Herman Cain how in 2012, you know, he's running for president and he had to step down because of you know four accusations of sexual harassment against him. It's like, wow, we've come a long way to where that just doesn't matter as much in politics anymore. I don't think anything matters in politics anymore. And that's I think winning. that that's one of several things, Mark, uh, let's try this for transition, uh, that will impact both the primary and the general election, both next week and in November. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is accusing uh, Trump of withholding information that would compromise <laughs> the election. But let's look Wait, locally. What does that mean? I don't know. That's... Politics politicking again from her. But, 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 and I didn't realize how old she is. She's old. Pelosi's very old. Yeah. She looks really patched up well. 
badged up. She does. I mean, I found a whole, I was like, wow. But, you know, I really like the way she dresses. I don't want to get into that, but I do. I really like that very conservative quality look. But let's talk about local. You know, yes, I mean, yeah. so you have a president that's underfunded and attacking uh, the Postal Service at a time when people are, you know, thinking about their health and wellness and being exposed in an actual voting environment. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, people are, I know I've mailed, I've mailed things to people that they still haven't gotten. And that was maybe a month or so ago. So how will that, what will that do for voter confidence? Oh, it's going to be what you mean, the confidence in how legitimate yeah, the election and, is? And how it's going to turn out. Like if I've mailed it, like, you know, are they going to count it? I hear that, well, they're, they're stuffed by hand, but processed by computer. Like, what is this, 1918? Where, where are we? Well, I mean, there's a level of trust in it, but there's a level of trust in everything. You go fill up your, your gas tank. There's a level of trust that it's being monitored by a state agency, that it's actually it's really premium it gas. is what it says it is. <laughs> so there's got to be a level of trust. People are, are very frantic about voting, and it comes from both sides. I mean, we've already seen Trump kind of act about the illegitimacy of mail-in voting, although most research shows that it's no advantage to either political party. right. Um, that's true. And then I, I really he wants to change the election date, which can't happen can't. either. That's, that's just. But he wants that's noise. To. That's noise. But he though. wants, but it's a distraction. He might want to. He's not going to be able to. Okay. But it doesn't help then when Jennifer Granholm comes out and warns and, and just fires off a bunch of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. What if? I mean, you could have a what if about everything. That's true. That and is I true, just, Mark. You know, you got to have a level in tr- a level of trust that it's still going to be legitimate i mean if you don't trust the mail then when you get your mail and ballot go drop it off you can drop it off that's true you don't have but, to mail but, it. but locally have people really uh, been exposed to their options um so that they know what's going on i spoke to someone yesterday actually in the media that said hey i didn't realize i could do that in terms of dropping my ballot off yeah so our people are you know our election uh leaders if you will doing what they can and have to do to make it's sure it's gonna that, be a mess okay that's it <laughs> it's gonna be a mess but this isn't the first messy election i know it's had. not I but mean, i think that people Florida are think- in 2000 well, that's, okay, the, yeah. that's the gold standard of so an election is that mess. becoming normalized um you know, in terms of just, we don't expect a flaw. I, I don't. I don't even think we should yeah. expect it to be flawless. But I do no, think that voters deserve some confidence. Somebody's that dog is going to vote, and then everyone's going to be in an uproar because a dog voted Unless or, they voted or a for dead the right person. person. Well, no, it's going to fit whatever their narrative is. That's but the true. fact is, there are what were the last time? 130 million votes in Something the presidential like election. I mean. Yeah. Well, and I know people here, you know, we talk about voter apathy, especially in the city of Detroit. Sure. Um, and, and this is a pivotal election, regardless of whether it's just politics or who we're putting in or who we are returning to that seat. But interestingly, uh, our sitting Rashida Tlaib. Oh, what a mess. Has refused to endorse Biden and people are not happy about it. She represents uh, the 13th district, predominantly African-American district. Um and and not resonating with the people that she has to count on for re-election. Well, she claims that residents come up to her and say, uh, "I hear Joe Biden this, Joe Biden that." That's her quote. And I and this is a quote from her. I say, "Listen, do we need another four years of Trump?" No. Then what I need you to do is to get out there and focus on that. Okay. Then why would you? This politics is a game, it and is. this is what Democrats are terrible at, and it's tearing each other apart but and you tearing, can't, the, tearing you can't, the party you apart. You can't in- inject part of your platform for to, to, to be to impeach Trump. 
I mean, it's not no. like we, it's not like we got six candidates. We you got two choices. Yeah, and neither one's and good. So, neither one lives in the district. Neither either. one lives in the district. <laughs> but at the same time, it to me sends a very concerning message uh, that hasn't really resonated well with people. I mean, you've got some key African American uh, business leaders, uh, you know, church leaders, community leaders, and political um, you know influencers, if you will, that were looking for leadership. You know, I mean, so well, Rashida Tlaib's message about not endorsing Joe Biden doesn't get people excited. And you can say what you want about who the better candidate is. It's about getting people to vote. And you do that by getting them fired up to vote. And you look at any poll about how excited you are about your candidate, Trump or Biden, and Trump's way ahead. His people will go out and vote. So if you're going to be apathetic about your candidate, then don't expect people to go out and vote. And I know this election's important for Rashida to maintain her position, but people really get out and vote when there's a presidential vote. They're not the, the down ballot stuff starts not, at the top. If it's That's not why it's down pandemic. And I don't necessarily think we're going to be out of the pandemic. Uh, no, of course not. By then, <laughs> but, but but what I mean is people aren't going to be terribly excited to go vote for their rep to win. It right. starts at the top. That's why it's called down ballot. So you got to get people excited. She's just. You know, it's this posturing with the whole, uh, what do they call themselves, the squad? Well, I thought they were kind of disbanded a little bit. <laughs> By thought. who, themselves? No, I thought, didn't Pelosi say something about the squad? And she was like, you know, well, not, okay. The well. problem is, hey, we're she's, talking politics, she, Mark. Don't she's get tied. <laughs> she's going to be tied with AOC and Omar, regardless of who disbands them. Yeah, and so. I, you know, if you if you want to win or you want your party to win, you need to show a little more unity, whether or not you agree with it or not. And that is one thing Republicans do very, very well. That's true, and that is what that, that's what got Trump elected the first time because people yeah. were not feeling Hillary, um, and they did not get out and vote. Like, exactly, she, but, but she didn't resonate. You see I do. the same thing going on right now. It's yeah. just the hatred for Trump is more. But like you said about the Democrats too. I mean, people have to. Um, you, they they got to get together. Like you can't just take any of your voter base for granted. You've got to be able to connect with them. And people want to start to feel, I believe, that you have some degree of representation of who they are and what their interests are. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. But um, I also want to tell everybody, too, you got to keep an eye on the mayor's race next year. Don't forget about tell that. Tell me now. about it. I don't well, even know what's every, going on. Everybody, everybody is thinking and gearing up their candidacy quietly right now. I don't think anybody's formally announced um, Against Duggan. Yeah. Who have but, you heard? Have you heard any talk, interesting names? Well, uh, you're always in the know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going <laughs> to wait until they sound say like they're terribly interesting. Well, I just, you know, again, I want to feel like a person is running for that office for the right reason. You know, you said, talked about earlier, people yeah, like themselves. It's they like clout themselves. and clicks, and yeah. that's not what works. But this is the thing. Let's, let's just create the scenario, Mark. So undercurrent conversations say that Mike Duggan wants to go if Biden wins. He wants out. He'll take, you know, whether or not he can get in the White House or not, but he wants out. So let's say Biden wins. Mm -hmm. Duggan is out. That would mean that Brenda Jones would then become the mayor. Mm -hmm. Now, she's running against Rashida. Yeah, yeah. What if she wins? Then that means that Mary Sheffield is now the mayor. If, in fact, Biden wins and Duggan is out, regardless of whether it's Brenda, if she wins or if she doesn't win and she stays, somebody may run against a woman incumbent because they will be, uh, in, have, be in office for, what, seven, eight months before that election. Well, I'm just saying, think of all the moving pieces. That's oh, all. Always. Will anything change, though? No. 
<laughs> I just thought it sounded I, good. It does, but the machine just keeps moving. And it keeps rolling over people. That's that's the thing. Sure. You know, we're not dealing with the uh, you know pension well, obligation payment. We're not looking at paying our police officers. They're still going to yep. be without fair compensation. Uh, and you know, now the mayor has this. Proposal in, uh, for me, in is no. It's another $250 million bond proposal for the same issue that's been dangled, you know, in front of Detroit residents for the longest. Charlie has his own take on it. I'm going to wait until he comes back to share Mm -hmm. about that proposal. But speaking of police. Yeah, the uh, fatally shot the third person in three weeks. The story is insane. I don't think you're going to see any protests over this one. Um, Was that was it at Grand River? Why does it always seem like it's at Grand River? Grand River. <laughs> it's because big, it's, it's a west big road. side, Mark. It's a big road, too. Uh, Grand River and Myers. Uh, west side. A guy standing in the road wielding a sword. A sword? A sword. A, uh, I think That's I different. read that it was a three-foot sword, and the cops told him to drop it. He came at him, threw a dagger. Oh, wow. Hit one of the policemen in the face. That's not cool. Caught him. Shot him with a taser. Didn't stop him. I mean, okay, sounds so like they the guy's on the, something. Right. Yeah, no, it seems very... You know, by by the book, but it just illustrates to me what an insane job policing is. But you know, it's this is nuts. the other thing we talked to. Remember the guy out of New York that we spoke to last week? Yes, um, yeah, uh, Eugene. Eugene, mm-hmm. and he said that you know certainly triaging calls and making sure that police officers are armed or accompanied by a second layer of behavioral health or social services because not everybody is a criminal. Now, maybe sure. maybe it would work in that instance, maybe not. But you have a lot of people that are out here that have mental health or social service needs. The thing I forgot about this shooting and this guy is that uh, he then tried to get in one of the uh, cop cars. Okay, well, then forget it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a good Samaritan jumped up, and, or didn't jump up, they were in their car, and they blocked the squad car so he couldn't go anywhere. But see, that speaks to, the, to me, the relationship that Detroit police have with the community here. You know, I saw some people and they were calling for the resignation of, of Chief Craig. I, yeah. Like, who are those people? They don't look like they live here. Like, where are they from? Because when I hear people in the community, they like what the chief is doing. They support yeah. the police. I, I mean, they just do. I mean, even some of your community activists, th- that's not how they feel. He seems to be doing a phenomenal job. Well, he's doing what he can do with what he has. And I've sure. always said that. And I tell Charlie, you know, Charlie, when he would criticize him sometimes, you know, he has the utmost respect for the chief and certainly the police. But, you know, I would say that falls in the lap of the mayor in terms of allocating resources to make sure that the chief and the officers can do what they can do. They got a tough job. I, I just feel there's always going to be critics out there for their own benefit to criticize whoever the police chief is and whatever the job is that's being done. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it, it hey. fits what they what they want to do, and what they want to get in. So let me put our license plate numbers out there and put them on the no pull over <laughs> list. <laughs> So I got to ask you this, Mark. I know we're almost running out of time, but before we do, how are you managing during the the the, the COVID crisis? I mean, you know, I heard you say you don't go out. Insane. Yeah, I I, I keep forgetting like people have masks on, and it's like it's strange. I'm fortunate because I've been been working six days a week, so I do get to be out and and live some sort of normalcy. It hasn't changed much. Where where it sucks is having little kids, right, and wanting them to be around other little kids and now the decision about school comes up and it's like Whoa. yeah now what's going to happen with that it's, uh, i thought you had the answer mark come on what's going to happen i don't have the answer are I, people going I, should I, kids go back to school i mean kids are are naturally social and pretty messy just in general so should they go back to school 
Are they bringing it home? Are they taking yeah, it to school well, from home? You know, there's not enough information on it, but under, you know, my kids are under 10 and under 10, they don't spread it as much, but it's not necessarily about the kids as it is the, you know, there's no air circulation in, a, right. in an old school building. There's no air conditioning. Or so if school like opens, are you going to let your kids go back to school? I, I don't know. You don't know. That's fair enough. And, and mainly because, like I said before, I'm around elderly people. Right. And you know what? I'm not a picture of health. Well, somebody <laughs> I get it. I'm cooked. Jay is Jay on Facebook. And, I, you know, guys, usually I read the Facebook comments because Charlie is leading the show, but I can't read them all. But I do say that Jay says Mark always has the answer. So. Uh, no, no, no. I always have an answer. <laughs> I don't know if it's well, always it's right. Usually I, most of the time it's wrong, so I'm told. So. But I certainly do. Uh, you know, uh, I do. I like the fact that Dr. Vitti is speaking up. Yeah. Um, he has not been passive on this. And I do think, I mean, and he's going against the grain because I think he's really trying to put together um, the best for the students, the teachers, the sure. staff. You know, we've had the opportunity to talk to him here on the show before. Uh, and I just like the fact that he's not passive about this. He is actively engaged and responsive uh, to try to get to, you know, a better place for everybody. When, when you're living inside the scientific method with things changing all the time, <laughs> I think more information is better, even if the, the, that information can be in conflict with right. each other. So right. you, you just want to hear from people. Yeah, and you I, want, and Like you said before, you want a leader. Well, you're right. Well, I think we got a leader in the chief. We got a leader in Dr. Vitti. We got a leader in Charlie LaDuff. Yeah. So we're in good hands. I like it. Okay. And now uh, I have Charlie's song queued up. If, All right. Uh, well, I want to. Do we yes, miss anything today? I don't think we missed anything other than Charlie. Is anybody still listening to us? Yes, people are still listening. We got one there. Still? Yeah, people are still there. <laughs> and of course, you can go to the what's the store to get the shirt? Uh, DrewandMikeStore.com. You can get uh, the Fix the Shit shirt. You can get the No Bullshit News with Charlie LaDuff shirt, which I'm showing off right now. On Facebook and uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff there. And what you can also do is go to the nobsnewshour.com and you can subscribe and download for you that uh, maybe just for those of you that are just tuning in. If you missed our interview with John James earlier today, you can uh, check out, you know, we're on Facebook Live. You can all say, start that over and listen. And uh, hopefully you came away smarter. As Charlie says, <laughs> remember to love one another. We certainly love and appreciate you. Mark, love you. Charlie, love you. And until next time. Don't forget your wallet. <laughs> <laughs>
grammar for Sabrina, who was four feet high. I pulled over to ask where he was at. This index finger, he tipped off his hat. El Segundo, he said, my name is Pedro. If you need directions, I'll tell you pronto. Need a civilization, some sort of reservation. He said a mile south, there's a fast food station. Thanks to y'all as I started the motor. Ali said, damn, Tip, what did you drop so far for? Well, describe to me what the wallet looks like. Anyway, a gas station we passed. We got gas. And went on to get grub. It was a nice little pump in the middle of nowhere. Anywhere would have been better. I ordered enchiladas and I ate them. Ali had the food punch. When we finished, we thought for ways to get back. I had a hunch. Ali said, pay for lunch. So I did it. Pulled out the wallet and I saw this wicked, beautiful lady. She was a waitress there. Put the wallet down and stared and stared me to put me back into reality. Here's Shaheen. Yo, Tip, man, you got what you need? I checked for keys and started to step. What do you know? My wallet, I forget. Yo, it was a brown wallet. Had props numbers. Had my Jimmy hats. I gotta get it, man. Lord, have mercy. They got hotter. Ali starts to curse me. I feel bad, but he makes me feel bad. Chit, chit, chatter. Cars, cars, we scatter. Break it on out. We was northeast bound. Jetting on down at the speed of sound. Three days coming and three more going. We get back and there was no slack. 490 Madison. We're here, shy. He said, all right, Chip. See you tomorrow. Thinking about the past week, the last week. Hands go in my pocket. I can't speak. Hop in the car and torpedo to the shack. Shy. We gotta go back. When he said why, I said we gotta go. Cause I left my wallet in El Segundo. 